So Money, episode 1082, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. It is Ask Farnoosh Friday, August 14th, 2020. What a difference a week makes. Last Friday, I shared something a bit personal within the first five minutes of this episode. And I later that night, I was like, oh, did I make a mistake? Did I reveal too much? Did I seem to, you know, everyone's got problems and my problems are not near what other people's problems are in terms of calamity and scale and difficulty. But nevertheless, I was discussing how, you know, our son was having a hard time grasping reading and we as parents were having a hard time helping him. And it was really hard and really frustrating. Um, Of course, now more than ever, because we can't like have people come to the home to help him or take him to a place to get help. So we're all trying to do this virtually and at home. And I'm so glad I shared this with you. And and it just is a reminder of how awesome the So Money audience is. Within hours of the show airing, I had so many people reaching out with similar stories or well wishes, and in some cases, resources. And I want to share some of those resources with you. If you are a parent that is struggling, uh, or you have a loved one who is a young kid who is struggling to learn for whatever reason, maybe he or she has attention deficit deficit disorder, uh, our son has ADHD, you know, other kids are maybe they're dyslexic, maybe, you know, for whatever reason, we started to implement this game. And this was thanks to a So Money listener who reached out to me on Instagram and said, we've been doing this with our son, who's a little bit older than your son, but it works and he has ADD. And so try this at home. So right now we're just trying to get Evan to learn sight words, you know, short three, four letter words, two letter words, on, off, cold, hot. And I think what he's doing because he is smart is memorizing words and he'll see an O and he'll recognize another letter and he'll just go, oh, that's that word is open. And he's right, but he's not really sounding it out. So that's, I guess, how kids learn in the beginning. So I'm not too worried about that. But we need to get more of these sight words in his brain and his memory bank so he can start to decode more words and so on and so on. And that's how you learn how to read. So we put words on colored index cards. I just cut up construction paper, put all sorts of words on them, put them on the floor and set it to music. So he has to basically run around this series of words on the ground to music. He picks the song his sister joins into because she thinks it's totally fun to follow whatever her brother does. And then I stop the music and they have to freeze and find the word that I say on the ground. And then he does it and he loves it. And sometimes he does a couple of words at a time or three or four words at a time. And then I ask his sister to do it too, even though she's only three and he helps her. So it's a great bonding experience for the two of them. They have fun. They have no idea that they're learning. And I feel like I'm making progress with him. So it's a small thing. We do this once a day and it gets him excited. Like it's a quick win for him. It gets his energy up and then we can go and do a worksheet or we can go and do a virtual class with uh, his tutor, which now we're doing twice a week for 30 minutes. 
We tried to do an hour, way too long. We tried 45 minutes, not great. So now just 30 minutes, these bite-sized lessons. I'm just, you know, doing what I can. And this was a free exercise that I wanted to offer to everybody in the audience. I know not everyone here has a kid, so thanks for bearing with me. But that's, that's where we are. And as far as schools go, I don't know yet what we're doing. Are we doing hybrid? Are we doing virtual? I'm leaning towards full virtual. Here's my thing. I feel like if you are a family that has resources, in other words, you know, you have money to perhaps afford to bring in a caretaker, which we have for our children nine to five every day. That's fantastic. And on top of that, my husband and I have flexible jobs. We work from home. That's another advantage. That's another gift that we have that, you know, allows us to take, you know, 30 minutes here and there out of our schedule between the two of us, maybe a couple of hours a day to sit with Evan and help him complete his assignments. It's not ideal for Evan and it's not ideal for our family, but we're in a pandemic. You know, what's the greater risk? Him not seeing his friends every day, but staying healthy? I mean, that's the trade-off, right? So we're trying to incorporate small visits and outdoor play. We're trying to organize that. But we have the resources to be able to keep him at home. And that's a huge privilege. So if you're a family that can do that, I feel like you should. That's my opinion. And so for the kids who don't have those resources, whose parents cannot afford a caretaker, whose parents do not have flexible jobs, where they have to leave the house because they are the teachers or they are the hospital workers or they are the frontline workers, they are the essential workers, their kids can't be home alone. They have to go to school. And that's a risk for them. Perhaps we can do our part as families with deeper pockets, with more resources, with more flexibility to reduce the number of people that have to go into a building to learn. So those kids who have to go into that building are not exposed and those teachers are not exposed to all of the kids, all of the people. Our kids are going to miss out on connecting with other kids their age day in and day out. But I feel like Everyone's hurting in some capacity. I was talking about this with my husband last night because we're kind of opposing right now as far as what to do. Like he's kind of on the in the camp that we should send our kids to school at least part of the time. And I'm like, look, we are privileged to even have the choice. So why not choose to keep them at home? So the families that don't have a choice that have to send their kids to school are safer because we're not there. And maybe other families that don't have to be there aren't either. So the size is kept to a minimum and the risk is kept to a minimum for those kids, for those teachers. Maybe that's just a very simple way of looking at things, but it's helped me kind of come to a very quick conclusion. For now, we'll see. I mean, I would like to have Evan have a one-on-one teacher at some point during the week because he is a hands-on learner. But anyway, you didn't come to this podcast to hear about schools and but it is, you know, it all it's all interconnected, you know. It's we if it, we've learned nothing, it's that money is not just about money, it's about, you know, life and education and race and the words that we use and the decisions that we make. It's all it all matters. It all matters as far as how that contributes to an individual's ability to achieve financial greatness. And I'm still continuing to look for a family to support checking emails, responding to emails. And uh, I guess I said, we're, we're getting close to uh, announcing some financial support that we will be giving to families uh, who need educational supplements this, this fall in the form of a tutor. All right, let's go to the iTunes section and select our reviewer of the week. By the way, I haven't heard yet from last week's winner, 
So hot cocoa buns, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, please get in touch, farnushatsomoneypodcast.com and let me know you left the review on August 1st. But this week, we're going to say thank you to Molly Elizabeth, who left a review on August 6th, 100% subscription worthy, she calls the show. And she says, Farnoosh has quickly become a must listen. I'm a picky subscriber. From interviews to audience questions, from current and timely to tried and true legacy, from young investing to retirement, so money is relevant and captivating. I always learn something. I'm also entertained. I was new to Money Podcast, and I find this an excellent source where I can get what I was looking for in one convenient place. Molly, thank you so much. That means a lot to me to know that this show has been so much for you and so meaningful for you. Send an email to farnushedsomoneypodcast.com. Let me know you left the review and we'll do a 15-minute money session. Talk about whatever you want. This week, we are answering questions about investing in real estate. Y'all are so interested in that. It never ends. And I love answering these questions. How to keep your credit healthy. This person writes in worried about their credit identity and home refis about whether or not to do a cash out refinance. So let's start with our mailbag here from Sarka. She writes in to ask Farnoosh. That's something everybody can do. You go to somoneypodcast.com and you click on ask Farnoosh. You can leave a voicemail. You can write your question and it goes right into my inbox. So here's Sarka's question. She says, I'm an expat working abroad who plans to return home in about 15 years. Well, aren't we lucky to be able to avoid all of that is happening in the United States right now? 15 years. Wow, that's a long time. She wants to retire in 25 years. Sarka says, I currently have an employer-matched pension, a private pension, which I invest in low-cost index funds. I also invest in low-cost index funds through a tax-efficient vehicle with money that I can access anytime before retirement. My question is, should I buy property in my hometown and rent it out with the tenants paying down the mortgage while I'm still living abroad. I would be looking to buy in about five years and the down payment would come from the money that's invested in my tax efficient account. Or should I keep the money invested in these index funds for those 15 years and then buy when I get back home? She says, my hometown is on the West Coast. It's got a healthy tourism and tech sector. Housing prices have been relatively resilient and rising steadily. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Okay, Sarka, I've got some thoughts for you, some resources. Very interesting. Let's unpack this. So Sarka is living abroad, everybody, right? It's hard to manage property when you're overseas. So when you buy property as an investor, there's a lot that goes into that, right? So great that maybe you can get renters and it's going to be cash flow positive, but you're not there. And as a owner, as a landlord, you are on the hook for things that happen, right? So the tenant needs upkeep, maintenance, repairs, that's on you. So it's possible but you have to hire probably somebody who is more local, like a property manager, to be there more quickly, more readily. Tenants will expect that. The tenant doesn't care where you're living. They expect prompt service, especially if it's an emergency. So that's going to eat at the profits. You want to research this. If this is feasible and you're okay with that, then keep listening. I would not rush into this, however. Really important to figure out where you want to buy property. Now, does it have to be in this area that you call your hometown since you're not going to be there for the next 15 years? 
is this hometown area going to continue to have the sort of rental activity that it does right now? Because of the pandemic and because how we work is changing, so many people working from home, is this area going to continue to be fertile ground for dwellers, for people who rent, for people who buy for that matter? Right. So I look, I look at New York and I look at how it's changing and people who don't have to be in the New York metro area. Are they going to stay? A lot of them aren't. A lot of them have already left and they're not even moving to the area towns and the area suburbs. They're just going way far away. They're going abroad. They're going to the mountains. They're going to a place where they can be near water because their jobs are no longer geo specific. And so I'm guessing when you say West Coast, when you say tech driven, and when you say touristy, I'm thinking San Francisco, I'm thinking Bay Area, Silicon Valley, they're experiencing similar transformations. People who were tethered to their desk jobs at places like Facebook and Twitter, no longer. Twitter, everyone is now getting the option to work from home for the rest of their career at Twitter. So are they going to stick around to the Bay Area? I would give it some time to see how things shake out because the success of this investment for you is going to hinge on the availability of people who are interested in renting and not just renting anything, but renting at the price that you need to make this cash flow positive, right? Your model, your cash flow model and your success model is going to depend on the demand in this area for renting at the price that you need to rent. So give it some time. There's so much uncertainty right now. We don't know where people are going to quote unquote land permanently until we have a better handle on this virus. I encourage you to pursue this, but maybe spend the next six months to 12 months researching. And are there other parts of the country where you're seeing the opposite trend, right? People moving in. The trend right now in the Bay Area is people moving out. Net, net, it's a negative. Negative migration. New York, net negative migration. Where are you seeing people move to in higher numbers? That may be a better place to buy investment property. Everybody's got to live somewhere, but where are people moving to the most right now? Because it's driven by job opportunities, but more importantly, because we just discussed that you know maybe jobs aren't why people live in particular areas anymore, but there are other good schools, right? Recreation, diversity, et cetera, et cetera. So step one, do a self-test. Am I okay managing a property overseas? Am I okay hiring somebody else to do this? Understand that there will be costs. Number two, is my hometown the best place to be investing? You're not going to be there for 15 years. Can you look at other places that would be more fruitful as a, a property investor? I also want to say something about where you're keeping this money that you plan to use in the next five years for the purposes of investing in real estate. This money, I don't think should be in the stock market. If you need this money in the next five years, if you need any money in the next five years for any reason, it should not be invested, right? So much uncertainty, the market could go up, but it could also go way down. And five years historically has not been enough time for your investment to bounce back. So if you know for sure, if you set your mind to this and you know that in between now and the next five years, you want to use this money for the purposes of investing or for any other need, any other desire, I would take the money out and put it in a liquid account. 
that's maybe not collecting any interest, but it will be there for you. It will require knowing approximately how much you may need for this down payment. Uh, Add that to your research. Now, I want to also suggest a couple of other resources for you. If in the meantime, you want to get in on the real estate investing game, and by the way, this should not be all of your money, right? You want to you want to think of real estate as an aspect of your investment strategy. So it sounds like you've got a lot going on on sort of the, you know, index fund, employer sponsored route, retirement route. Great. That seems to be where a lot of your money is going. The market, the stock market, you want to carve out an aspect of that to real estate. Great. But no more than 10 or 15%, I would say, of your total investment portfolio should be in these alternative alternative investment strategies. The market is not an alternative. It's a primary investment strategy, stock market. Real estate is considered alternative. And if you want to get started sooner than later, because it takes time to research a geographical location, find a property manager, find a property, find a renter, you can get in a little bit sooner through a crowd platform, a crowdsourced real estate platform, Two of them I recommend, Fundrise and Good Egg Investments. I'm not affiliated with these sites. I don't participate in these sites, but I've had the founders of Good Egg on So Money. You can check out our episode with Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb on January 30th of 2019, episode 841, two women who started a company called Good Egg Investments which is a platform that allows more people to participate in real estate investing. They streamline the process and they have syndicated over, at that point, it was $400 million of real estate assets. By now, I'm sure it's more. And on the show, they walk you through sort of the the behind the scenes of the business if you're interested in that. And then Fundrise is similar in the sense that it allows you to sort of invest in a portfolio of various properties that they have researched and, and selected and invested in. So it's it's a fund, uh, almost like you know a mutual fund, but it's consisting of real estate property. Okay, Sarka, that's my answer to your question. I, I hope you land on something great and keep us posted. Next, Kira wants to know if she should pay down her student loans. She says, hey, Farnoosh, I found your podcast and I'm hooked. I'm 24 years old and I'm lucky to still be working through the pandemic. My student loans were put on forbearance from March through September uh, because of COVID-19. I still have been making my payments, but thinking of doing a large payment right now before the interest kicks back in in September. Do you think this is a smart move? I would still have an emergency fund, but it would cut into my savings for a house. Thinking it is smarter to use that money to pay down debt since it has no interest right now. I don't plan on buying the house for a few more years. Thanks in advance for your input. All right, Kira, just FYI, I'm not sure when you sent in this question, but I I do think it does seem like they're going to extend this student loan forbearance for federal student loans through the end of the year. So you may not have to actually pay it back as early as October, as was the plan in the first round of stimulus. This is an interesting question and maybe a little counterintuitive to what we normally hear, which is, you know, prioritize your student loans, pay attention to your student loans. But if you have the ability to not pay your federal student loans right now because you are benefiting from this CARES Act provision, which we think will be extended, ride it. Write it. Don't oh, don't pay down the debt um, unless you've got so much else figured out. Unless you have all your other ducks in a row, this is the only area of your financial life that needs attention. 
In fact, last Friday, we had Anjali Jarawala join us to co-host So Money. She runs a financial planning service called Fit Advisors. She's a CFP and an accountant. And she was like, look, there's so much uncertainty around student loans right now uh, in in the sense that wherever this administration goes in November. And there's a lot of talk about forgiving student loans altogether or making them more affordable for people who have them. So why jump the gun and try to get ahead if there's no penalty right now? But you want to have a few more ducks in a row before tackling your student loans. Your rainy day account, is that flush? Your retirement account, are you maxing out? Those two things... I think take precedence. I'm assuming credit card debt's not in the picture, but if it is, that obviously has to go before you start putting more resources towards your student loan debt, especially now when you don't really have to. If you've taken care of all of those pieces and you want to now focus on your student loan debt to get rid of that payment so that you can shore up more cash to put towards a down payment on a home... I like that plan. But I hear from a lot of financial experts, and I have to agree that if you have the opportunity to not pay your student loans right now, you probably shouldn't. Okay, Jen, she says, looking for some quick advice. My husband recently received a collection notice from Sprint, but we never had a Sprint account. I checked his credit report, and there was a recent hard inquiry from Sprint. Did someone steal his identity? I'm weary of the collection notice as well. If we contact them, Could they be the fraudulent ones? Yeah, something suspicious is happening here. And good on you for checking the credit report, which by the way, public service announcement, you can check your credit report now for free every week. Every week. In this pandemic, the government has allowed us to more frequently check our credit reports. It used to be once a year from annualcreditreport.com that we could do so for free. Now they're saying every week. And the reason is, is because... I don't think they're saying there's more fraud, but they're saying there is a lot more sort of changes happening to our credit in this environment. People are taking on, for example, student loan forbearance, mortgage forbearance, credit card payment plans. And those sorts of opt-ins are supposed to be reported accurately, as in that you are current still on these debts and not that you're doing anything delinquent or past due. But in some cases, lenders aren't reporting correctly. So the government is encouraging us to check our credit reports just to make sure everything has been accurately reported. In this case, uh, good for you, Jen, for checking the credit report. I would contact Sprint first and say, I got this collections notice. I saw that you inquired about my credit. I never applied for an account at Sprint. I just want to understand where it came from. If Sprint is able to trace this, they may be able to be the ones to identify the fraud. If you can identify the fraud, then Sprint can issue a letter to you saying this was fraudulent. Then you take that letter to the credit reporting agency that reported this and you say, I need this to be taken off my credit report. Here's the proof. And in the meantime, I would put a credit freeze on your account because whoever did this could very easily go and do this at multiple places. I would do that as soon as possible because this is suspicious. When you do a credit freeze, also known as a security freeze, this helps you restrict access to your credit report, making it more difficult for identity thieves to open new accounts in your name. A credit freeze does not affect your credit score. To do this, you want to contact each of the big credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, go on their websites, and then the freeze remains in place until you ask the credit bureaus 
to temporarily lift or remove it all together. In the meantime, check all your bank, credit card, and insurance statements for fraudulent transactions. I'm reading this all at the FTC website, consumer.ftc.gov. But this is this is a little concerning. It's a, it is a red flag, and I'm glad that you have raised it. Okay, last question is from Diesh, a question about pulling money out of my house. Diesh has a lien for $6,000 that will be removed next summer, next July. And the reason for the lien is that Diesh did a first-time homebuyer program, which requires agreeing to a three-year lien to assure that Diesh would stay in the home for at least three years. The interest on the mortgage is a whopping 4.875%. I think last I looked, a 30-year mortgage was around 3% with excellent credit. So the question is, is it worth waiting a year to refinance or should I cut my losses and refinance as soon as possible? So I'm kind of stuck on the expression you use, Diash, of cutting your losses and refinancing. What do you mean by that? If I'm understanding the question, it's that you want to wait until maybe you're done paying the lien because maybe at that point you won't have this expense and then you know a refi is going to be another expense. And so it's just all this money that you're putting out and then trying to get the lower interest rate. Will it actually pay off right away? I'm not sure I'm totally understanding the framing of the question, but Let's just put that aside for a second. If at the end of the day, you're just wondering whether a cash out refi is worth it because you asked about pulling money out of your house. So you're not wanting to do just a standard refi, but you want to actually take on potentially a bigger mortgage, pay off your old mortgage with a bigger mortgage, take out the difference, put that in the bank. First things first, contact your lender because you have a lien. I'm not sure what the rules are around refinancing while this lien is outstanding. I'm not familiar with this kind of lien. I don't know if it would have an impact. Don't know. So just contact your lender. Always just a good idea to contact your lender in the pursuit of a refinance. Your lender wants to keep your business, right? And if they understand that you're shopping around for a refi, They want to keep your business, so they might be the best place to do the refi. They may offer the lowest closing costs or no closing costs. They may offer the best rate. So start with your lender. Pick up the phone, call your lender, ask about the lien requirements around refinancing, and then ask about their terms, their rates for existing customers. How can they make you happy? Cash out refinances are different than a normal refi. As I mentioned, in a cash out refinance, you're typically increasing the balance of your new mortgage, and then you're taking the extra money out in cash, something we all could use right now. So if your current mortgage, let's say, has $200,000 left on it, but you get a new mortgage for 250, that extra 50 grand is yours to keep minus any closing costs or other expenses related to the refi. Most lenders do require at least 20% equity to approve you for a cash out refi. Your rate will most likely fall in this scenario and you got 4.875%, assuming you have excellent credit, you could qualify for as low as 3% right now, but then your balance goes up, right? So just keep that in mind. Is that monthly payment, even if it does creep up because you have a bigger balance with a lower interest rate, is that going to be affordable? And will it make it worth it to have that now cash in the bank at this higher monthly cost? If you want to have this uh, cash out refi go the extra mile and have this just be like super financial savvy, so, 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 so money, 
here's where all the stars align. This is how you make all the stars align. You get the cash out refinance. It's going to be a higher balance because you're cashing out some money, but the interest rate's so much lower that the monthly payment is around the same what you're paying now. So this really isn't a huge expense. If you can get the bank to throw in very, very low closing costs or no closing costs, another win. And then finally, if you use this cash partly to save, but partly also to maybe pay down high interest debt, if you have outstanding credit card debt, if you've got expensive student loans, private student loans, that's another way of using this money, leveraging this money to pay down something quite expensive. That would make this like the so moneyest scenario. Call your lender. They'll have answers for you. I think they'll give you more clarity than I will. You might have some fine print that you have to read that you have to readdress, but your bank might also have a sweet deal waiting for you. All right, good luck to you. Keep the questions coming. You can send them over to me on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi. Direct message me there. Go to somoneypodcast.com and click on Ask Farnoosh and submit your question there. I'm also on Twitter at Farnoosh, all the places. Thanks for tuning in and I hope your weekend is so money. Money. 